Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm David Ekstrom. This podcast is brought to you by Golden Harvest. Big yields, big savings. Take advantage of the best discounts of the season at goldenharvestseeds.com. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Young farmers are the future of agriculture, but many face obstacles as they work to begin their operation. Farmers for the Future is a series dedicated to helping young farmers overcome challenges and offer solutions to become profitable on their operation. In this podcast, editor Casey Rebel talks with Texas farmer Taryn Moore about his experiences as a first-generation farmer. So let's start from the top. Give me the basics of your farm. What do you grow and on how many acres? Currently growing okra. It's been so dry on the farm. We've gone a few months without rain. We had about an inch of rain um, last week or so. But I planted okra about three weeks to a month ago, and they have not come up yet. It's been so dry on the farm. We need moisture for okra to even germinate. Now, okra are, they are a warm season crop, so they do enjoy um, hot, dry summers. But there's not even enough moisture in the ground for them to germinate right now. So we're kind of uh, in between crops right now, and we'll probably start again uh, during the fall. In the fall, we're going to do turnip greens and collard greens and possibly kale, uh, depending on uh, what kind of markets we can get uh, with some restaurants in the area. But for sure, we'll do turnip greens. It's kind of a value-added product on our operation as we can use it as a cover crop as well as a cash crop. Um, I'm about 40 miles east of Dallas, so people in Dallas will actually substitute uh, potatoes for turnip bulbs. So just like you'll roast a potato, uh, they'll roast those turnip bulbs um, in the oven and put salt and pepper on them for a healthier substitute for potatoes. And then in the spring, we'll prepare, once that crop's done, we'll prepare uh, ground for sweet corn. That's been my big hit lately. It's my first year actually doing sweet corn. I've been doing peas and okra for uh, 11 years now. But I did my first cup of sweet corn this year, and it was a hit. We sold out within uh, within a few business days. So uh, sweet corn is a huge demand on the farm, and I've got a great customer base already for it. We sold to a few local restaurants and lots of individuals, and everyone's very satisfied with the uh, end product. So we'll for sure do sweet corn again in the spring, and then follow that up with some okra, and then lead into our fall crop once again with the greens. So you've definitely diversified a lot, it sounds like, since the beginning. So how much has your farm grown since? How many acres are you running right now? My first year farming was 2011, and I was farming about an acre and a half that year. Um, The lease that I have currently is 30 acres. Now there are some creeks and valleys and woods within that 30 acres. So I'd say currently we're farming about six to seven acres, and it's all uh, blackland soil. So we're here uh, east of Dallas. It's all, the, uh, they call it Houston clay. It's, uh, it's black, it's gummy, but I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's full of nutrients and it holds moisture well. So you said you started farming in 2011. How did it all begin? Yeah, my journey with farming actually kind of started on accident. I, uh, 
I joined FFA as a high school freshman, kind of as a blow-off class, honestly. I, I thought FFA was something you can kind of get in, get into and get an easy A to kind of help your uh, help your GPA. So I joined FFA kind of as a uh, um, what we call extracurricular activity. And I was the one guy in the class that kind of sat in the back. I was pretty quiet, just did my work as I was asked and wanted to get out of class and go to the next. I didn't really want to do anything after the actual class itself. And it was the LDE season, so leadership development events, leadership development events season. And my ag teacher needed one more participant for their farm skills team. I was the one guy who was not involved in anything. So she said, Taryn, are you? And she knew I wasn't involved in anything. She's like, Taryn, are you signing up for anything? I was like, no, and I really don't want to. <laughs> but uh, she kind of Vaughn told me we did need one more person for farm skills. You're the only guy in the class that's not involved in anything. Let's get you signed up. We have rehearsal uh, or practice uh, tomorrow at five o'clock. I was like, okay, I'll be there. So I did the farm skills. I made new friends because we were on a team of three or four. And so I made new friends there and we just all kind of hit it off. It was my first time working with my own two hands. We built a heat breeder lamp. And when the project was complete, I felt so accomplished. I was like, we built something from scratch that's going to actually help someone on their farm operation. And like I said, I had, I can even tell you between a heifer and a steer, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what the difference was. I was that far off from ag. I didn't know anything about couldn't drive a tractor, wouldn't be able to tell you what breed a Hereford cow was or Angus, nothing like that. So I was fresh. And I thought to be involved in FFA, I, I love the LDE event and I love the friends I was making. I said, well, I'm involved in future farmers of America. So it means I'm a future farmer. So I have to be, have some kind of goal or plan to be a farmer someday. So I seriously thought that. So I started guarding the backyard, went to my parents and I said, hey, um, I'm in FFA. And I need to start farming. So I need, I'm, I need to do a garden in the backyard ASAP. And I need to start growing some food for the community. And I was serious about it. And I, I did a garden in the backyard. I did some watermelons, some peppers, and some. Uh, I had some okra too out there. And I remember bringing a watermelon to one of our chapter meetings, uh, either 2011 or 2012. And to watch my ag teacher and my teammates um, other students and their parents eat food that I produced, I felt very accomplished. I felt very proud. Honestly, I was very proud. I said, I grew up with my own two hands and to watch people eat food that I grew, I fell in love. And I said, I'm going to increase on a larger scale. So I started in acres then and I started selling uh, purple hole peas. I saw the money my, my parents spent on peas, my, my grandparents spent on peas. I saw that there was uh, good money being invested in the crop and I saw demand in my community. So I started doing peas and started selling in the church. And from there, uh, it was pretty much history. I just kept on farming and kept growing every year and built a good client base. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's interesting how something that was so unexpected has completely just changed the, the course of your life, really. There are certain things throughout our life that definitely are unexpected. And sometimes obstacles can can be just that. Were there any obstacles that you faced when you started farming and how did you overcome them? My first obstacle in farming was, of course, the big learning curve of how to how deep do you plant a, a pea seed? How do you, I mean, how do you know that if it's your first year doing this? So there's a huge learning curve in understanding uh, different soil types. I mean, if you don't know 
if you're not farming, you might see a place and just uh, bare, bare soils. Call it. There's some dirt out there. It's just dirt, right? But there's so many different soil types and different crops do different well and different soil types. Learning pH, learning soil composition, learning uh, sand, silt, and clay, and their uh, ratios between what is what what defines sand, what defines clay, what defines silt, what grows best in certain soil conditions, what grows best in certain weather patterns um, is a huge learning curve. And the equipment, I mean, we're not, I'm not a large scale farmer or anything. I just have a, a tractor and a few uh, discs and cultivators and planter, but learning how to service your equipment. I didn't know how to, how to uh, change the hydraulic fluid in a tractor before that. I didn't know how to change the oil in a tractor. I didn't know any of those things. So I literally started from scratch, um, learning everything from, from the ground, from the ground up. So the first obstacle was a big learning curve. The second obstacle was once I, got the crop in the ground was how to keep the weeds out. <laughs> so I had to learn how to uh, plow a field or use selective herbicides. And once harvest came, how do I get all these crops? How do I get all these peas out of the ground by myself? So I had to find out, um, I had to find labor. And that was hard to find people who want to be outside in August picking peas for, uh, for not a lot of pays, there's not a whole lot of money that I'm paying people to pick produce. And it's not a glamorous job. It's not something that's like cool. Like people, when I was in high school, it was cool to be a cowboy. Like it was cool to, you know, go go ride or go push cows or worm cow. People would happily do that in August. But when it comes to picking peas, it's just not cool. It's not glamorous. And so it's hard to find labor uh, to do the actual farm work. And then once the crop is pulled, you got to keep it cool or you got to sell it immediately or keep it cool for a certain period. We're not going to place peas at now. So there's always an obstacle uh, along the whole process. But the biggest thing I would say was the learning curve, being first generation and um, labor for sure was find enough labor to get the crop out of the ground. So let's talk about what you called your bread and butter earlier. So in the article interview specifically, you talked about how you got into selling insurance. So tell us again kind of how that venture began. When I was in high school, my plans were always to be an extension agent, a county extension agent. I knew for sure I was going to be a Smith County, um, Smith County extension. I did the internship there and everything. Once I did the internship, um, nothing wrong with it. It's an awesome organization, everything, government organization, but um, it wasn't for me. And I kind of panicked because I was a senior in college. I had this degree and now I'm not going to use it. <laughs> So um, I started kind of backtracking of how I got to where I am, and I backtracked to Farm Bureau. Texas Farm Bureau, one of my first organizations that I joined uh, for mentorship as a first-generation farmer. I had connections all over the state of Texas, different producers from first-generation to fifth-generation farmers. I mean, all across the state who I could call with questions, especially on equipment. Um, I can tell you almost everything on my farm has come from a Farm Bureau member. My tractor I bought from a Farm Bureau person. My planter was made by a Farm Bureau person. So we just all had a network together. And I seek opportunities for the um, membership side. So Farm Bureau has a membership side and have an insurance side. I seek options for the membership side. And there wasn't a whole lot open at the time. They had a, a county uh, way far west Texas. And I said, one, I didn't want to go that far, honestly. And then said, well, you also, there's also an opportunity for insurance. I said, well, insurance, I have 
no inter experience at all. Don't really know much about it, but uh, hey, if, if they'll allow me to fall on the weekends, I'm down for it. So joined the insurance side. I did my research. I actually was speaking in commerce, uh, a and commerce for a, a farming engagement with Dr. Williams. And uh, on my way there, I did my interview with Farm Bureau in Hunt County. And me and my old manager, we hit it off. Uh, we had a lot in common. He's a Tarleton grad. We has kind of similar personality, uh, very outgoing, easy to talk to. Uh, the conversation just went very well. Also, a uh, very Christian man. And so we just had a lot. The foundational things are definitely there. And insurance is a lot of interview processes. It's a lot of, it's a lot of sitting down, going through numbers. Uh, there's a personality test. Like There's a lot that goes into insurance business. And I was kind of, um, I don't know, a little nervous at first going into it. I was like, this is a big deal. I mean, I'm fixing to handle people's people's biggest investments, their houses, their cars, their lives. And I'm 21 years old <laughs> with no experience. So they, he took a risk on me and the company took a risk on me as well. But I was so nervous of failure, so scared of failure. I just hit the ground running. And honestly, I had success from the start. From month one, I had an awesome first month. And pretty much every month, I was very consistent in, in my sales along the way. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. Was, I'm going to say by accident, but it's kind of by accident, kind of like farming. I didn't plan on going into insurance at all. I don't think anyone really plans on going into insurance. But when you get into it, you'll realize the uh, opportunities and the re rewards that are in the business of uh, serving your clients and also the freedom of making your own schedule. And I fell in love and I haven't looked back ever since. We'll be back after this short break. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. You did talk about how there are certain elements of your job, you know, that, that take a certain set of skills, but what kinds of skills, if any, have you learned maybe through insurance that have helped you with farming specifically? So things in the insurance means that's helping with farming is I'll say just the ability to communicate. Insurance is all relationship driven. Um, not all relationship driven, but it's very heavily relationship driven. Of course, you have to have a good product and a good price with what you're offering as well, but relationships are a very heavy part of insurance. With farming, it's so easy for me to go to a conference and make 10 new friends um, because Insurance forces you to be an extrovert. You can't be an introvert uh, in, in the insurance business. And so it just forced me to be extroverted and just, I taught people for a living. That's what I do. I taught folks for a living. So when I go to a conference with farming, I can walk to anybody, have a conversation. And I've made some awesome connections uh, through farming, through the experience of the insurance business, just being able to talk to people. And find common ground. Of course, we're easily for the same purpose uh, to grow up, grow operations, be more sustainable, and find common ground is hitting off the folks. And the rewards have definitely come. You can't put a price tag on relationships. Uh, no matter how much money you have, what kind of career you have, what kind of house you live in, you cannot beat 
personal relationships, people that invest in you, that you can invest back in them, people you can bounce ideas from, uh, that you can have uh, spend good company with, good conversations. Nothing will ever, uh, will ever top relationships. And so the business of insurance really taught me how important relationships are. And I can kind of transpire that into my, uh, my form of operation. And it's, uh, it's really paid dividends. So even though it can be hard, what is the thing that you enjoy most about running two businesses? The one thing I love about running both businesses, both farming and insurance, are the people. No doubt about it. I love people more than anything. I met some people from farming on the front end from FFA. It all started when I was a freshman in high school. I went to state convention for the first time in Texas. I think it was in Corpus Christi. And people in FFA were just so outgoing. It was just like nothing like that. I've been, I've been in athletics and band for several years before I was in band for from sixth grade to all through college and band people are cool, but FFA people are just way more outgoing. They're much more outgoing, even, even athletics. I did track. I mean, people don't will walk up to you and say, Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? They don't do that. Track meets. FFA events, state convention, uh, leadership, leadership de- development events, they come up to you, shake your hand. Hey, where are you from? What chapter are you from? Oh, what are you doing today? It's just like people are so outgoing. So that's where it started on the front end on the farm side. And in insurance, I do people every day. People call the office and then we t- chit chat about their family, their dogs and our cats and their grandkids, what their kids are doing, what they're doing for summer break. It's just, I love the people more than anything. So that's the common ground between both businesses, farming and insurance, but they are, we start, they are together. More farms and insurance is one entity, but the people is what keeps me in business. That's what keeps me going, keeps me motivated, keeps me happy, keeps me sane. So what advice do you have to maybe give farmers considering maybe starting a second business or maybe even, you know, somebody who's not in farming that wants to start farming. What advice do you have to give from all of your experiences? I would say do what fits you. Um, for myself, I'm a first generation farmer. I didn't have 2000 acres passed down to me and I'm not, you know, I didn't have a big inheritance passed down where I can start picking up from future generations or from past generations. So I knew financially, I didn't want to take out a whole lot of loans to get started um, because for when I was 15 years old <laughs> and for two, um, I just wanted to, I just want to farm debt free, honestly. So I knew I wouldn't be able to afford cash wise to go buy 2000 acres and start a grain farm. So I looked at my uh, surrounding areas. I looked at what people are doing. And I just saw the I saw the demand and what crops were doing well, and I saw the money people spent on peas. That's the first thing I saw. I said, "My parents are spending hundreds of dollars on peas. My grandma spent hundreds of dollars on peas." I said, "Just two, then that makes I make a couple hundred bucks. That's not too bad for a fifteen year old kid in a day. Make two hundred bucks in a day. That's not too bad for a high school kid." So uh, I saw the demand for the crop, and then I adjusted. I found land. I used my grandma's backyard for the first year, an acre and a half she had behind her house, and until I find an actual uh, lease in Greenville where I have thirty acres uh, that I'm able to farm there. So I'll say, look in your area. You know, I'm in Texas. You might be in um, Iowa. Totally different climates. Totally different soil types. And so it kind of just depends on what's the market doing. But I'll tell you, here in the Dallas, uh, here in the DFW area, 
people love farm to table. They love the idea of knowing their farmer, uh, me. They love the idea of knowing where their food came from. They go to the farm, they see the tractor, they see the planter, they see the disc, they see the land that the that food was produced on. So being able for them to know who I am personally um, as the owner of the business and seeing the equipment and seeing the farm, people will, people will pay whatever uh, for that. So of course we do price things reasonably, but we are higher than the grocery store. My, my products cost more than what you're going to find at Walmart, Super One or Brookshire's. And so um, people are willing to pay for that being fresh. So I would say, look at your surrounding areas, look at what prices are going for, for certain crops. And Hey, if you, if you have land in your family, take advantage of that. If you have a lot of land that you have access to, where you can, you know, do grain on 2000 acres, I'd say go for it. But if you're like me and your first generation and, and you don't have um, a thousand acres to start off with, start small. Don't be afraid to start small. My, I've got two tractors. That's all I have is two tractors. Um, I don't have a row of fleet of tractors or anything like that. You know, we're pretty small. So uh, look at your surrounding areas, look at your input costs, what you want to do and look at the end goal, uh, short term goal, long term goal and somewhere in between and figure out on a balance sheet what you want to do, how much money you want to invest, what kind of, if you want to take out loans, if you want to do it with cash, how you want to do things. But uh, don't be afraid to jump in. But first, get a plan together, look at your resources and seek mentorship. That's why I did, I seek mentorship. I've got some awesome mentors. They know who they are. I call them all the time for questions on the, on the farm or equipment or seed. I've got awesome seed salesmen. I mean, I just have people in my circle that's uh, poured into me and helped me out along the way. So it's been, uh, it's been awesome. Is there anything else that you maybe thought of along the way? Absolutely. This is for my young people. I'm 26 years old. So if you're like me, you're watching this video and you're not really sure of what you want to do, you have a passion for something, not just farming, but anything that you choose to do or you have a burning desire to do, at our age, guys, go for it. You have the option and you have opportunity to correct with the market. You have the uh, advantage of taking risk at a young age, whether it be an insurance business, a farm, whether you want to start an auto repair shop, whatever it is that's on your heart or your burning desire, I encourage you to go for it. Of course, take a smart risk, um, take a calculated risk, make a plan and everything. But if you have a burning desire to do anything, whether it be farming, insurance, starting a business or even just going into a certain career or going to school for something. Um, don't have fear. We have several years, hopefully several years to correct. If things fail, it's okay. But it's, I'm saying trying it is totally worth it. And I encourage you to go for it. This podcast was brought to you by Golden Harvest. Big yields, big savings. Take advantage of the best discounts of the season at goldenharvestseeds.com. Thank you to Taryn Moore and Casey Rebel for being our guests today. You can read more about Taryn's story at agriculture.com. For Successful Farming, I'm David Ekstrom.